The following audio is from Central Christian Church located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org. Cause the God I serve knows only how to try us. 
Praise God. It's great to be in church, is it not? Absolutely. Rather be here than anywhere else. I love, we have a new song that we sing. Um, it's fairly new. It's called I Speak Jesus. I love to play that song. The words to it are incredibly powerful. Some of them say his name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. And every single time I hear that song, whether it's in here or in the car or at the house, I feel the anointing of God on it, and I feel his presence, and it moves me. And I believe it moves you too. So what's really in a name? The name Jesus is five letters broken into two syllables. That's in English, obviously. Spelled differently in different languages with different pronunciations. So it's not the actual letters. It's not the actual phonetic essence that gives the name its power. It's not a magic phrase. Just like the Bible tells us, salvation is not just a magic prayer. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. 
The Bible also tells us that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, and no matter what language, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Indeed, the demons tremble at his name, and there is no name higher. But merely speaking the name of Jesus does not cause hell to tremble, and it doesn't cause demons to flee. I don't know about you guys. I hear his name spoken casually and with derision all the time in the workplace or Quentin Tarantino movie or any movie. We hear it all the time, thrown about. Is there power in that? There really isn't because it's not the word that's powerful. Let me give you another example. In the book of Acts, uh, chapter 19, it talks about the seven sons of Sceva. They were trying to cast out demons and uh, because God had given Paul, the apostle Paul, uh, an, a gift of anointing, the people would take and they'd put their handkerchiefs. He'd touch their handkerchiefs, and they would take them and lay them on sick people, and they'd get well. And demons would flee when they, when they touched the clothing that had touched Paul because the power of God was on it. So these seven sons of Sceva, who was a Jewish high priest, they tried to cast out demons too. And so they would go, and they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, be gone from this man. Well, one day a demon had had enough of this, and he spoke back to them, and he said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know about, but who are you? And one guy whipped seven of them and sent them out of the house naked and bleeding. Jesus is not a magic word. But when it's used by someone who, like his disciples, like Peter or Paul, or dare I say us, when we speak the name of Jesus, there is power in that name because we have the authority and the standing to use the name of Jesus. Did you guys ever see the movie District 9? Of course you didn't because you're Christians. I watched District 9. I think it's an awesome show. And it, it's a, it takes place about 20 years after the arrival of a, of a spaceship that's just kind of floating over Johannesburg, South Africa. There's about a million uh, alien creatures in there. They're, they kind of look a little bit like shrimp. They call them uh, prawns. It was a derogatory term in that movie. But they're more they're marooned, and they've been living in South Africa for about 20 years. And the movie itself is a subtle, not-so-subtle comment on apartheid, and it kind of does some uh, pretty clever comparisons to what was going on in South Africa during that, that horrible time. But these aliens had a really powerful weapon. Uh, it was a really cool laser gun, like a really cool laser gun. And, um, but it had a really neat safety feature in it. The weapon wouldn't fire unless you were an alien because it had to have alien de- Some of you guys are nodding. You did see that movie. <laughs> And it's awesome, right? So you had to be an alien to fire it. So the gun would actually, like, hook onto the alien's arm or whatever, and it would sample the DNA and make sure that it was actually an alien firing the gun. Otherwise, you could pull a trigger all day long and nothing would happen. In that movie, to fire the weapon, they had the standing to do it. They had to have the standing to do it. And that's the same thing with us as believers. So you're a born-again believer. So when you speak the name of Jesus, you have the standing to do it. Praise God. Because God's Spirit lives on the inside of you. And when you pray God's will in Jesus' name, what you pray for will happen because God's word will not return to him void, the scripture says, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. So does that mean that God answers every single prayer spoken by a believer? Yes, but maybe not the answer that you hope for or that you wanted at the time. This is why Jesus gave us a perfect example of how we need to pray. He said, may your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And he prayed that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was to be crucified, and he prayed, take this cup from me, Lord, but not my will, but yours be done. And it was so. 
You see, dear brothers and sisters, I really believe that God wants us to live a victorious and overcoming life. I believe he wants us to prosper and to be healthy. I believe he wants us to serve him and our families to serve him. God will never override the free will of an individual. But when you as a believer pray using the name of Jesus, there is power in that name. And God will hear your prayers and he will answer them. But the details of how this ultimately works out may not be what you expect. But this is really important. I really believe the end result ultimately will be there's this world, there's the next world, and we will all have our prayers answered that were prayed in the name of Jesus. God, he's bigger than we are. He's bigger than our circumstances, and it's more than just what we can see right now. Do you think Jesus is glad that God did not let that cup pass from him when he prayed? When you look in his eyes, you'll know he's glad that he went ahead and went through with it. Praise God. So you can see how much God loves us. It's like that last song, he's for you. He's with you. And you can trust God. You can pray his will in the name of Jesus. You don't have to have a specific list of things. Lord, I want your will for my life. I want your will for my children. I want your will for my finances. You can trust him because it's a good will. So you speak Jesus over your addiction, and it will stop. Speak Jesus over your family, and they will serve the Lord. Speak Jesus over your finances and over your life and over your health and over your job and hold on because there is power when a Christian prays in the name of Jesus. And I promise you this, when all is said and done, you'll be happy with the way that God answered your prayer. Unless you're a Cowboys fan. (laughs) That answer is always going to be no. I don't know. It's a terrible way to end the communion meditation, but come on, Lord, please. It's been a long time. Will you contend with us forever, O Lord? <laughs> we can trust in the Lord. We really can, because He has really good things for us. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, as we take communion, I ask that you forgive our sins and teach us to pray according to your will, so that your will and not ours is done on this earth. In the powerful and beauty and mighty and holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Question, how many here, by show of hands, believe in the power of prayer? Okay, kind of a gimme question. Okay, I get that. How many of us believe that our prayer life could be improved? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm all right with that. But I wonder, uh, in my own life, if prayer could be more, uh, let me see if this is what might work in yours, more frequent, uh, more intense, more personal, more intentional. Do you find yourself when you're praying use, that you use the same phrases a lot, the same words? You kind of get stuck in a rut saying the same things, bless me and be with me and protect me and all this kind of stuff. I, I caught myself the other day praying at a restaurant, bless this food to the nourishments of our body, and I'm staring down at a double cheeseburger and grease dripping off of it. <laughs> nourishments? I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's a little stretch, but... But sometimes we pray in this rote memory, kind of a safe mode. Sometimes we just go to the words and phrases that we know. But if we believe in prayer and we believe that it works, why are our prayers so safe? We're in this series, A People of Prayer. Not a movement, but 31 days of prayer. And, and I want us to look at something today, dangerous prayers. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 
uh, verse 7 through 13. If you want to turn there, if you're joining us on the radio, online, Acts chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation in just a minute, but I want to set the scene so you know what's going on. We're going to be in chapter 3, 4, and 5 today. In chapter 3, Peter and John are headed to the temple, and they heal a beggar, a man that had been lame since birth, and they estimate he was probably in his 30s. So everybody in the town recognized this guy. And they came up to him, and he wanted money, and he, they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. And, and there's all this story that goes along with it. The whole community saw this, and they were amazed. And chapter 4 begins where the captain of the guard and the Sadducees, everybody say Sadducees. That's important, all right? They're the ones that came, and they arrested Peter and John. Because they healed a guy, okay? We're going to look at dangerous prayers today. Spoiler alert, the passage we're today looking at right now is not the prayer, okay? We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But I need you to see what happens as a, a framework for it. So join me in Acts chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to pick up in verse 7. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power in, or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people... Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man you crucified but whom God has raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now let's see if we can unpack this for a second. Peter basically tells them off. He's gotten arrested, and he just gets right in their face, and as if to say, what do you care whose name it's in? He's healed. He's walking around. Aren't you happy about this? And then in verse 10, he starts in on him, and he accuses. I kind of even suspect he might have wagged a finger at him at the same time. He said, this Jesus that you crucified. But it's what he says right after it, too, that is, he, he's really making a declaration of war. He says, but God raised him from the dead. Remember a minute ago when you said Sadducees? Two of the ruling religious parties were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in any afterlife. They believed that you're here on this earth 72.8 years or whatever it is, and when you're gone, you're gone. That's it. There is no afterlife. And he comes in and he says, you killed him, and God raised him from the dead. And then he goes on to say, there is salvation in no other name. He is declaring war. Them's fighting words to these people because they are saying that salvation comes from me doing all of the rules. I follow all the rules. I do everything I'm supposed to do. And that's where salvation comes from. He is throwing the gauntlet down in front of all these people. There is, you just sang it a few minutes ago, there is no power in hell, nor anyone can stand in the power and the presence of the great I am. But it's what happens after that that drives our conversation today. It says there in verse 13 or so that the council was amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Boldness 
amazes people. So let me ask you another question. When have people been amazed at your boldness? Now, hear me. I'm not asking when have people been amazed at how you yell at the refs. Wow, he is very bold, like he really knows the answer to that. Okay, we, yeah. When have, uh, and I'm not talking about when, when you have been bold on Facebook. Wow, he's really bold on there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when have they seen your faith? When have they seen you speak of Jesus in such a powerful way that they are amazed? Friends, I'm afraid sometimes our prayers are too safe. And I don't mean to attack, but see if this sounds familiar, because this is what I've been doing and really been trying to investigate prayer. I, I get into these rote memory of be with me and protect my kids and and take care of everything get me a good job with a good 401k and a nice white picket fence and you hear what i'm saying protect us keep us safe and and keep us away from bad things which is good but i wonder what would happen if we prayed bold prayers if we started living aggressively for opportunities to shine our faith like looking, okay, God, show me a place today where I can speak about you. Because I believe he'd answer those prayers. And, and what's funny about these guys is they are not rocket scientists. They are not deep theologians. Scripture says they're ordinary. Now, you've heard, I don't really tend to quote Greek words, but there's a Greek word in this line here that is really interesting. Okay, The, the word that, is, that we find in here, ordinary, is a word called idiotes in Greek. Everybody say idiotes. Okay. Uh, it can be translated ordinary. It can be translated average. And some of you are already ahead of me. It can be translated idiot. It is where we get the Latin word that we get the word idiot. He's, he's calling these guys the Forrest Gump of their community. All right. He's really mocking their intelligence. They're idiots. There was never anything spectacular about the disciples. They were just regular businessmen, fishermen, tax collectors. Jesus was a businessman before he went into ministry. I mean, he was a carpenter. It, it, it was just regular people doing regular things in their regular jobs. And it reminds me, folks, he doesn't need us to be spectacular. He's already awesome. We just need to be obedient. We need to do what he says. But then why are these two idiots so bold? I'll tell you why. It's at the end of verse 13. It says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Let me ask you another question. Do people see that with us? That we have been in the presence of Jesus. Now, I'm not asking do they know we go to church. I'm asking do they, do they see in us a character that, that Jesus shines through? I think one of the saddest things I've ever heard is when people have been working together for several months and, and one of them does something and goes, huh, do you go to church? Well, yeah, I go to church. Really, where do you go to church? I go to Central Christian. Huh, I go to Central Christian. How do you know that? I, I go to Saturday night. Well, I go to Sunday. I, I, and it's this time that they were together all this time and they didn't know that. You hear what I'm saying? That's not, it can be funny, but it can also be sad because that, that means there's no... There's no behavior in my life that is declaring the greatness of Jesus. This is my testimony from death to life. 
that grace rewrote my story, I will testify. We need to be testifying about what our God is doing in us. So you can go on in the next few verses. The council can't figure out what to do with these guys. And from about 16 to 23, they, they huddle up and they go, what are we going to do? If you read in there, you'll find out the whole community recognizes this. This guy was lame for his whole life, and they've healed him. And if they beat up Peter and John, it could be a riot. You know, It could be really problematic. So they huddle up, and they what are we going to do? So they get them back together, and they, they pull these guys in here and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're demanding that you never speak of this Jesus again and you never teach in his name. Or we'll arrest you, we'll beat you, and we will kill you until you're dead. All right? Maybe that's not what it says, but that's the theory. All right? And we know Peter is going to follow rules. Oh, yeah, that's really going to work well. And the council lets them go. Okay? And so they go back and they run back to their other believers and they're praising and they're singing and then they become a people of prayer together. That's what we're at. A people of prayer that runs together and prays. They prayed the adoration of God. They prayed the power of God. They prayed the name of Jesus like Rich challenged us. They, they prayed great words. But it's the next passage that I want you to look up that is an absolutely dangerous prayer. It's in chapter 4, verse 29. If you look on down to 29, they have gotten together and they have been praying. And this is what it says in verse 29. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Now, the believers start with, hear their threats. Hear what they are saying. You know what they didn't say? They didn't say, protect us. They didn't save us. They didn't even say, strike down our enemy. They prayed for one thing, boldness. And even more than that, they pray for one thing in one area. Give us boldness in one area, speaking about you. Now that, my friends, is a dangerous prayer. And it's a powerful one. Christianity was never meant to be this safe haven. It has always been calling us to be bold. This little verse in 429 may be one of the most powerful prayers in all of Scripture. And it's kind of hidden in here. But I will tell you, it's one of the most dangerous ones in all of Scripture. And if you pray this, which I'm going to challenge you to do, you need to understand, you will feel spiritual attack. There is no question. Because when you serve faithfully, you are by definition serving in opposite of our enemy. And our enemy doesn't like that. And he will come after you. He wants us rattled. He wants us off our game. He wants us not doing our job. Can I be just blunt for a second? In the last two or three years, the church universal and even this church here has seen spiritual attacks. And it hurts. It comes at and it, and it hurts. And this is not the time for us to hide. This is the time for us to double down and in our faith standing for Him. Now, if you pray for boldness, I'm, I'm believing that God will answer that prayer. Look at this in verse 31. It's right after that. They pray, give us boldness in speaking the word. Look in verse 31. It says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. 
Now listen to this really close because I got, I got hung up in this verse this week. After they prayed, the building shook and the Holy Spirit came and they spoke with boldness. I'm going to go over this again. After they prayed, you hearing me? The Holy Spirit came and it, it shook the place and they spoke with boldness. Do you see the flow there? Because this was huge to me. After the prayer, that's when the action came. The prayer was setting up the action. After the prayer, the Holy Spirit came in and worked. And then they spoke boldly. Folks, revival will not happen in our church or in our community if we want it. Revival will not happen if we work for it. It won't happen if we hype everybody up. All right, we're going to get everybody together. We're going to play some hype-up music, and we're going to get everybody jazzed, and we're going to have revival. Revival won't even happen if we start a program or have a revival. Revival happens when we pray, and the Holy Spirit comes, and we do what the Holy Spirit says. You hearing me? There is a progression there, and it's important that we hear this. Because if you pray for boldness... It might not go well for you. You see, this is a dangerous prayer because it almost always triggers spiritual opposition. You might get laughed at. You might not get invited to the parties with the cool kids. You might, you might not get that promotion. They might talk behind your back. And it's often going to come from good people. might even be church people. That say things about you and and they're and they're hurt because friends spiritual opposition hurts. But when you serve faithfully, you oppose the enemy. You oppose the enemy, and we shouldn't be shocked when when we're under spiritual attack. We should be worried if we're not. You hearing me? If I've gone too long and everything's going too well, and I should be a little bit worried, then I'm not making his life. Miserable. So let's talk for just a second in a, in a kind of a teaching format. What does spiritual opposition look like? What does it physically look like in your, your life? Can I tell you what I think one of the, the tools of our enemy is? Now, not weapons, tools. One of the greatest tools that our enemy has, a car battery. Now stick with me for a second. You're going, I don't get that one at all. All right. Let me ask you this. When has your car battery ever died at a convenient time? Making sense? Well, look at me. I just pulled up to CNS and my car battery died. Well, ain't that lucky I can just get it changed. It never happens that way. It's usually early in the morning when you're late for work and you've got to be somewhere and the kids are throwing up. And Are you tracking with me? Another tool he uses, a water heater. When does that ever go out at a convenient time when it's nice and warm and you have all the tools right there? No, it's always freezing cold and nobody has any water. Maybe it's sickness. You see, these are tools that our enemy uses and his purpose is to get our eyes off of Jesus. If he can get us so mad at the water heater and so mad at the car battery and so mad at being sick that we're not paying attention to what he, ha what he does. I want you to look at what happens in chapter 5. In chapter 3, we had this. Let's go back to that previous slide, if we could. Um, chapter 5 and verse 17. Now, in chapter 3, 
Uh, they had the healing in chapter 4. They've had all this fight. They sent him home. And you've got to trust me in all this. You read through this. But this is happening the same week. Look in chapter 5 and verse 17. The high priest and his officials who were Sadducees, remember that word, Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. The apostles meaning Peter and John. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Now listen to me. He's, he's been thrown, or Peter and John have been thrown in, in public jail. This is the second time this week, okay? That's a bad week right there, all right? But I, I had to go back and look up one little phrase in there. It's, in this one it says, they were thrown in a public jail. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about John the Baptist being in Maturus prison, which was way down here. It was a long ways off. Well, this is a different kind of jail, and it's probably what you're thinking. You remember watching movies of King Arthur or something like that, and they wanted to punish somebody. They put them in stocks out in the middle of town, and people would walk by and throw food at them. It's kind of like that. It might have been an actual building, but it was in the city square, and it was for one purpose and one purpose only, humiliation. They're going to get these guys to shut up one way or the other, all right? We're going, to, we're going to hush these people, and we're going to get them to stop this. It was meant to humiliate them and discourage them. But I just want you to get what happens next. I want you to look at what happens next, and I find this hilarious, okay? Now, you've got to understand my weirdo brain, but this is the part that really made me laugh literally out loud, okay? Look at the very next line there after they've been thrown in public jail. Verse 19, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. You know what that sentence doesn't have? It doesn't have an exclamation point. That's what I found funny. If I was writing this, that would be at least six exclamation points, okay? Uh, do you hear what I'm saying? Luke is writing this book, The Acts of the Apostles. And, and Luke is writing this from a standpoint of he has seen God work so much that an angel of the Lord walking in, opening up, a, it's just a Tuesday. It's not even a big deal. And I'm like, that should be a big deal, all right? But, but it's, it's huge to me because when you live bold, we often see the power of God working. Miracles, like angels walking around, they just seem normal. Miracles are released when we live in bold faith. And I'm afraid, folks, we're missing some miracles because we're, we're living too safe. We're praying too safe. We need to pray bold. But it's what the angel tells them to do that's kind of interesting. If you follow there, verse 19 and 20, the angel says, okay, I got you out of prison. Y'all, come on. Let's go down to this town. Go two towns over. There's a little shed in there you can hide out. It'll be safe. No, that's not what the angel says. He says, go to the temple and give the people the message of life. In other words, the angel is saying, I want you to go do the very things that got you put in this situation to begin with. That does not sound encouraging. Go back and do it some more, all right? And you know what he doesn't promise? Go back and do it some more and nobody will harm you. Never promises that. Go tell them the message of life. I love this quote by Mark Batterson that faith is stepping when I don't know what the second step is. I don't know if I'm going to be protected. I don't know what's going to happen. It may not go well for me, but will you boldly talk about the Word of God? Now, folks, that does not mean we get to be obnoxious. 
We speak the truth in, there we go, love. 1 Corinthians 13, I can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but if I have not love, I'm just, I'm just making noise. James tells us the prayer of a believer is powerful. It's effective. Good things happen. A people of prayer need to be bold about how we talk. But I want you to note something else here. This is not a person, boldness is not a personality trait. Boldness in Scripture is never because you're really good. It says, after they prayed, the Holy Spirit came on them, and then they spoke boldly. Did you hear that? It wasn't a personality trait. So some of you are going to feel like I'm calling you out, but introverts. God can use your boldness too. A lot of people say, oh, that's really just for Don and loudmouth like him. You know, I, I just do my thing. I'm right here, all right? No, God can use anybody in any work situation, in any family situation. God is calling us to be bold, to pray bold. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe you're at work in the break room or wherever, and, and they start talking gossip. Or they start trash-talking some of your other co-workers. Or they start in with, some of the other workers start in with some, you know, bad jokes and bad things. It's just, it's just a bad situation. Maybe your boldness, maybe you pray and God make me bold, gives you the words to say, hey, you know what? Let's, let's don't be like that. Let's be better than that. Maybe it's something that simple. You hearing me? Boldness can come in a lot of different forms. Teenagers. Maybe boldness is you inviting somebody to go with you to AMP tonight or to the, to the D-NOW. And you call and you say, hey, when can I pick you up? I'm picking you up. You hearing what I'm saying? Maybe it's you have the guts to go sit with somebody that maybe they're alone at lunch. Maybe it's an encouraging word. Maybe it's in your purity. Maybe families, your boldness, dads, is to say, hey, I want us to, I want us to pray as a family tonight before, before we go to bed. I want us to read this devotional, and we're just going to do this tonight. Maybe it's something that simple, that you boldly do what God is calling us to do. You see, we're calling this a people of prayer. We are a people of prayer, and He is calling us to pray bold. I believe this is more than just 31 days, and I want it to be more than 31 days. I want it to be a lifestyle, that, that our prayers are dangerous. God, use me. Make me your servant. Make me your vessel. And that we pray dangerous. That we give up the safe, protected prayers for the sanctified. God just put me to work. Because that's dangerous. He will. Will you be a people of prayer with us? Because when we speak Him, His name is power. His name is healing his name is life. God is calling us to pray bold. Will you pray with us? Almighty God, we, pray, we praise you. We pray your power here. I confess there's way too many times that my prayers have been safe. Father, I want to be bold for you. I want you to use me. I want you to use us. We're going to blow it. 
But the Holy Spirit is strong, and you can use us in a lot of situations. For for the dads in here that are trying to be the godly dad, I, get, I pray boldness on them. For the for the marriages that are just trying to hang on, I pray boldness. For our teachers and our schools, that they will stand for you boldly. For our businesses, that we will pray your power into our businesses. For our hurting friends, we pray your strength boldly into them. We speak your power. We speak your name. Your name is powerful. Your name is healing. May we speak your life into people. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're you're feeling broken. And you want somebody to speak life to you. Stick around. We want to do that. We'll pray with you. We'll baptize you. Water's ready. We'll, we'll do whatever we can to help. Maybe you're in this moment. Maybe this is speaking to your prayers have been just too shallow and too safe. I'm praying you will speak Jesus. Franklin's going to lead us in the, 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 the verse of the, I mean, I'm sorry, the chorus of this song that Richard referenced earlier. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Maybe you need that today. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.